0: Please.
1: Truth Seekers and Truth Crusaders. You can also submit a direct donation to the cause anytime at funkinstuff.net. At that site, which is loaded with awesome content, you can also purchase the book, Everything's on the One, The First Guide of Funk. Shop for official Truth and & Rhythm and & Funk and & Stuff merchandise and use the Amazon links for all of your online purchases, which allocates a percentage to this show. Sponsorship opportunities are available as well. Contact me directly at Scott at funkinstuff.net. For those of you who go the extra step in supporting the show, you have my heartfelt gratitude for allowing us to continue to shine the light on those special artists whose quest is to find truth in rhythm. I'm delighted to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership musicians Timmy Allen, Toby Johnson, and Rick Brennan all of whom have been members of the popular 1980s R&B and dance music collective known as Change. Between 1980 and 1984, the group scored five straight top 40 U.S. R&B albums, from which five top 25 U.S. R&B singles charted. Those hits included A Lover's Holiday, Searching, Paradise, The Very Best in You, and Change of Heart, which was produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Change also topped the U.S. dance music chart with The Glow of Love, and the group delivered a comeback album in 2018 and continues to perform. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing?
2: What's
3: up? What's up, Scott? Hey, Scott.
1: Hey, so good to have you guys. Uh, Let's uh, go around the horn here and have everybody introduce themselves by name to the viewers, and also uh, tell us where you're coming from today. And let's start off, he's first on my screen with Rick.
3: Yo, I'm Rick. I'm down here in Philly. I'm in a secret location, you dig? I'm in Philly. I'm close to downtown. I can walk to City Hall. So I'm not that far away from
2: City Hall. I'm in Philly. That's where I'm at. That's it. Hi, I'm Toby Johnson, and I'm from Philly as well. Uh, I am the drummer for change, and uh, I'm near, uh, I'm in Winfield near uh, City Line Avenue. You don't know where that is. St. Joseph's College is right around the corner,
0: so that's where I'm at. How you doing? I'm Timmy Allen. I'm the bass
1: player for Change. I'm in Noah, Philly. Very good. And Rick, your uh, music specialty is what? The other guys said what they what they play.
3: Oh, oh. well, I'm a lead vocalist, background vocalist. I play percussion, try to play bass like Tim, but I'm not that good. You dig <laughs> what I'm saying? I try to get it in. You know what I'm saying? I'm just that boy. That's it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fit in where you need to. I like it. Um So, you know, it's so cool to talk to you guys. I was a disc jockey, you know, in the 1980s uh, uh, for, um, you know, parties and clubs and all that. So I spun a lot of your tracks and uh, kept the dance floor packed. And so I always appreciated that for sure. Yeah.
3: The music was banging. It was hot. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um, So how did y'all get into music? Why don't you tell me uh, real quick? Um, your stories and, and what drew you to music uh, when you were young. And uh, let's just go back the other way and start that off with uh, Toby.
2: Okay, well, uh, I was young. My father was a musician. He played for artists like uh, Sam Cooke, Dakota Stanton. You know, he's a jazz uh, musician. And I watched him one day. I watched him play trombone. And I said, wow. Then, surprisingly, one day he went down and he started playing drums. Fell in love instantaneously. I right did. So I picked up the sticks. And I, I believe that I was gifted because I've never taken lessons or anything. I was just able to do whatever I heard. I could just do it naturally. So I guess I was born with a natural gift. And uh, from that point, I just went out and I started practicing. You know, I'm going to the woodshed like most cats. Then I started playing around in little clubs. Then uh, I started playing uh, professionally at the age of 18, 19. Me and Timmy, we went, uh, we went out with the group, believe it or not, the Platters. Believe it or not people that, a group that my parents listened to, me and Timmy, I think that was my first professional engagement. Right, Tim? We're out yeah, the right yeah, the right. And so, yeah, at, as the uh, as time went on, I began to play around, and Timmy moved to New York. I'm playing in a local band. So next, you know, I get a call from Timmy. Timmy bring Timmy calls me, bring your butt up to New York. I goes to New York. Next, you know, I'm on to the next level. I started playing professionally. I'm on Champagne King, The Force and D's, Change, just to name a few. I can, I'm, you know, that's and so and that's what I've been doing ever since. And to present day, I still play. I just play with uh. I don't know if you remember the group Black Ivory. I played with them last Saturday in Washington D.C. So I'm still I'm still here, but I'm looking forward to getting changed back together. That's where my heart lies. That's where I'm at. That's well, where, Le- I'm, from. That's, that's
1: Le- where Leroy, I'm from. Leroy Burgess was just on the show recently. So yes, yeah.
2: yes. Sorry about that. Yes, I was with him. I was was with him Sunday. Yes, that's correct. Nice. And we all were good friends. Rick's Rick, good friends with him. Timmy's good friends. So we all really good friends. We all traveled that
1: yeah.
2: setting uh, for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. That's it.
1: Let's get uh, Timmy's full story, how he got going into music and besides uh, the collaborations uh, with Toby. I'm trying to
0: cut mine short because it's a, it's a long one. But I, <laughs> I, I come from a musical family here in Philly. You know, my grandmother, she had a, eight girls and two boys. So, and girls, they played music every day and all night long. So I guess it gravitated to me that, you know, that music thing. And just did, you know, God's gift, like Toby said. But uh, <clears throat> I started um, playing bass in, a, in, a, in a, with a few groups here in Philly. And uh, from there, you know, I, I got better at it. And then it took me to the next level, like Toby said. And uh, I started, I went to New York City Well, actually, let me tell you, I I was playing with the Platters, and then we went to a a tour in the Bahamas, and I met a group there that opened up for the Platters named Kinky Fox, and Johnny Kemp, the singer Johnny Kemp, was in that group, and they loved my playing, so I retired the Platters while they were in the Bahamas and went and played with Kinky Fox, so I spent time there, and then uh, for some reason, they couldn't allow an American bass player to play, so I came back home, and they went to New York City and then the Bahamian bass player left the group and then they called me and that's how I got my introduction to New York City and to the music scene there. And from there on, uh, uh, by playing in a club there by one of my best friends, we all got noticed by this one particular club called The Cellar in New York City. And uh, that's where I started playing on people's different records and, and, uh, and things like that. And then one guy asked me, Vincent Henry, that was that's in change asked me to come to change and see if I could play. So that's how it all started with change for me.
1: Who, who were some of your uh, bass heroes? Oh, man. Well, most of them here. Well,
0: number one is Larry, Graham. Uh, Larry mm-hmm. Graham. Larry Graham made the bass very interesting to play, you know, with the popping and all that. So bass became fun and just a bunch of notes. He was able to have fun with it. So I see Larry Graham and of course, uh, James Jameson, Motown bass player. Uh, He's one of my favorites. Those are my two favorites right there.
1: And Toby, what about you in terms of uh, musical heroes who are a couple?
0: Oh, well, you know, I have, uh,
2: as far as drummers, Dave Weckl, uh, Peter Erskine. These are monster, monster, Dennis Chambers, monster, uh, cats. And as far as music's concerned, change. (laughs) 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 I mean, it's funny how that happened. One day I'm driving my car. Let's you know, I hear holidays who is this group? Never knowing that one day I would be playing. It was so weird because I would hear him on the radio. i that group is awesome. A year later, I'm in New York playing. Unbelievable. I'm in New York playing with him. So it's it's weird. It's same thing with the Forrest and I'm driving here in tears and, and, and tender love and all that. And it's like weird. You know, why couldn't I do it with Michael Jackson or somebody? Because every group that I heard, I, I wound up playing for him. Right? So, but... Uh, yeah, that's how that happened. I would hear the group on the radio and, and let you know, somehow, miraculously, I would wind up there with them. And that's through Timmy. Timmy brought me to New York, uh, and that's how it that happened. You know, it's weird. Cool. It's one of my greatest groups. I well, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry.
1: We'll, we'll go deep deeper into that, but uh, uh, thanks, Toby. I want to uh, get Rick's story, how he got into music and also uh, into vocalizing.
3: <laughs> my story. Oh, oh man, man, when I was 12, my uncle brought me a bass guitar. And we were so poor at the time, I played bass, and my brother Marty played guitar. And there was a guy in my block named Bruh who played the drums. So we put a band together called Bruh Ski and the Brothers of Soul, you dig? So me and my brother Marty was the Brothers of Soul, and Bruh played the drums. He was on the 1500 block of Hollywood Street, and he was the drummer, and we went around playing in bars and stuff. I was 12 years old. I had no business in a bar, but that was (laughs) going on in North (laughs) Philly. And then I went from that to wanting to play percussion. I heard Santana. And when I heard Santana, I just lost my mind. I I had never heard anything like that. There was a guy who lived in North Philly who went to Lincoln High School. And uh, at that time, you would hear WDAS radio, WHAT radio. So it was all black music. So I didn't know anything about Chicago or Lance Zeppelin or that type music. And this guy went to Lincoln High School which, you know, had most of the kids at that time in the, in the 70s were white kids, and he was black. And he came out on the porch with a Santana record and a Led Zeppelin record and a Jimmy Hendrix record. And I was like, yo, yo, like, I'm used <laughs> to the Delphines and all that, but what's this? Like, let me hear it. <laughs> okay, so he played okay. Santana, and I was, like, gone. I was like, yo. And then what happened was I went to Strawberry Mansion Junior High School, and I went to an after-school dance. I saw a group called the Soul Divine. And when I saw the Soul of the Valiance, they was playing Vehicle by the Eyes of March. And it was playing Beginnings by Chicago. I lost my mind. I ran home. I got my little change together. I went downtown to the record store. I brought Chicago Transit Authority. And I, mm. I played that record till it fell apart. Mm. I was like, yo, like yeah. I knew I could sing beginnings. I know I could sing vehicle. That's my thing. You dig? Mm-hmm. So from there, I mixed it up. I was in the Gino Vanelli. I was, in, I was into everything. So what I did was I just started listening to everybody sing. Michael Henderson was one of my favorite singers. With so many great singers. I just mixed it all together. I said, yo, man, I can sing all this. I'm, I'm going to get busy with it. So I was a singer, percussionist, and that's how I got started in music, Scott. I,
1: I just love the music. Yeah. I can uh, definitely feel the enthusiasm. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and the passion. Yeah. Um, well, Rick, uh, keeping with you, what was your first uh, that you would term, you know, professional or semi-professional music experience?
3: Well, I don't know. I, like I said, I was in bars from 12 until adulthood. You know what I'm saying? Um, I played in a group called Composite Truth for years. I just put Composite Truth back together a year ago. So, you know, we're doing clubs and stuff here now. But uh, then I ended up in a band with Toby called Chill Factor. We was the house band for Barbara's Hall at Brooklyn, Oxford, in Philly. And me and Toby kicked in and Chill Factor. And when Toby was leaving to go play with Change, next thing I know, Tim was like, yo, go get Rick, too. Like, Rick in, in the band with you, Toby. I think Toby told, now, Toby can clear this up. But Toby said that, Tim said, who in that band with you down there at Barbara's Hall? And I think Toby said, he said, well, you know, he's naming names. He said, Rick Brennan. He said, so he said, Tim was like, Rick Brennan, where I know Rick Brennan from? He said, that's that boy that was in like shoot. He said, the one that used to sing Reasons and hit the high note? He yeah. said, oh, man, bring that boy to New York. And that's how that joint went down. That's how it went down. They said, that boy he said to hit Reasons and hit the high note in Reasons. Oh, no, bring him to New York. And that's how that happened. Timmy mm-hmm. was like, go get that boy because I know that boy to sing.
1: Yeah, the, the high note from the live version, right? The live version. Ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I used to
2: hit
3: that
1: yeah, note. Right?
2: I didn't
3: hit
1: it no
2: more. But you hit, hit that too. Hit hey, hey, Scott. You can hit that, I, I, Yeah, tell them to prove. Tell them to prove it. Do it now. No, I can't do it now. I, I ain't gonna lie, but I'm close
1: though. You
2: think what I'm saying? I'm 66
1: uh, years old, but well, I can't, can't do what I was doing. Come
2: on, but I'm still
3: that ball though. I, that I don't even know Phil Bailey can stuff. do
1: it now. So,
0: <laughs> right. no, Vic was very versatile. He can sing anything, man. He, he, he can sing anything. He can imitate people in different voices. He, he really had it going on. Yeah, we had a lot of fun.
1: Well, Timmy, what, what was your professional experience prior to change?
0: Uh, wow. I would say um, once I got to New York City, just uh, just just really admiring how other uh, other producers gravitated to my bass playing. So by, when I would get off stage, I would have people come up to me the next day, you know, and say, can you play on my, my record the next day? Not knowing who they were. But knowing they were somebody prominent in the music business or working on a project with a major label, you know, because I got a chance to meet Paul Lawrence, who produced uh, Evan Champagne King and, and Freddie Jackson and Lilo Thomas and uh, Melba Moore. He was with a, a a company called Hush Productions that had a team of uh, uh, writers and singers and producers uh, that was doing well back then. And um, when I got to play on Freddie Jackson's Rock Me Tonight, I didn't know I would, I would be playing on a, a hit record. You know, and the same thing happened with Keith Diamond that produced Billy Ocean. He caught me off stage and said, I need you to do a session for me tomorrow, not knowing that I'm going to be playing Caribbean Queen and all these big hits, you know, playing bass. So th- th- those were moments when things really started to feel like, whoa, okay, Tim, uh, 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 people appreciating the talent. You know, I didn't, I didn't know I was that good and, you know, I could do those things. So You're, that's that's bull. You're that bull. You're that bull. Yeah, that's what was exciting for me.
1: Wow so uh you know change had had success before you guys became part of that um who would like to jump in and just kind of explain to the viewers and listeners you know what change had done and accomplished uh before you guys became part of that equation go
0: ahead tim well you know it all started um when i got my first contract with jive records there was a a a lawyer named uh steve kapitko who also managed The uh, owner and uh, uh, executive producer of change was Fred Petrus. And. uh, And um, from there is where uh, I got to be, you know, start with change and things uh, developed from there on. You know, I I became a a writer, producer. And uh, of things of that nature. What
1: year was that, Timmy? Do you know?
0: I believe it was what 80 81 82 yeah i believe it was 81 82 when i first uh, got in the group
1: so had they had just the one album out or two at that? it point?
0: was just one yeah you know because the first album was a, just a project really you know it was just a hired situation and it blew up and i guess the label told them that they needed a, a group to go out on tour with it you know then you know luther branched off and did his own thing so that's when Crab james Crab robinson came in but from the second, from the first album, the second album on is when it all started as a, as a band.
1: Yeah. So yeah. for those who don't know, you know, Luther Vandross was part of change at first. It was like a collective, basically Italy or Italian based. Right. And then they used American right. vocalists and Luther was part of that. Yeah. Right. Well, thanks,
0: Kevin. Coming up for me, because I was going to say that the group was based out of Italy with the uh, Italian producers, Maru Malavasi and Davide Romani with the bass player. And they were the actual writers and producers of the, the change projects, most of them. Yeah.
1: So, and Toby, you said you had heard them and you had admired them, you know, just hearing them on the radio. So when you were hearing that, was that just the first album or was it two albums in or where was it in the process?
2: pretty sure it was maybe the first album, Searching, uh, uh, I think, uh, Law of Love. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, I've never heard anything like this. And man, who that is, that's crazy. I loved it, you know what I'm saying? It was different than anything i heard on the radio to that point. You know, but the, the funny thing, I'm listening to them I'm driving, I'm hearing them on the radio. Next you know, a year or two later, I'm there with them, it's weird. This is weird how that yeah. happened. But when I heard them, I'm saying like, wow, who is this, you know, and they got my attention immediately and everybody else all the cast and new music said who is this i mean you would hear "Love, especially like yeah. so they definitely definitely they definitely had a unique style and it, and it captured everybody's attention you know yeah. again i'm just proud that i've been able to been part of that and thanks to timmy and, and rick for uh, sharing that experience with me and me sharing that with them
1: yeah so when you guys came together when was the first time that you rehearsed or you know did something related to the change uh, the
3: 80s maybe 82 when you did the share yeah. my love tour, to when you and yeah. tim did that
0: joint yeah yes i was in a group before both of them so right they, they came in a couple of years afterwards you know on, on a couple of projects first toby came in then we got rick yeah you know, so, uh, we, you know, when we rehearsed, it was, you know, it wasn't like we rehearsed, rehearsed, because things were already together. It was just like guys would have to learn their part and come in, and they were good enough to just come right in and maybe have one or two rehearsals. And next, you know, we 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 ain't we in. We're
1: we And How would you categorize the change sound for uh, viewers? Because even though the cast changed, you know, I feel like the sound was pretty consistent throughout their whole history with this mm-hmm. kind of like, very much, you know, sort of like mostly uh, sort of mid-tempo dance, uh, R&B. And, um, you know, you can hear influences like Chic and things like that.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, Chic, but uh, like a dance situation. But I think it was even more than that because Maru and Davide, they were great musicians. They were great musicians. I mean, I really admire uh, Davide's bass playing. You know, we both, you know, compliment each other. Amaru was a great producer and songwriter. So they were more than just a, a, a unique dance group. They really, you know, had the musicianship that was really inside of their music as well. You know, so you know, it was a different vibe. Like Tope said, it was something unique and different that we all gravitated to.
1: So, Timmy, you recorded on the Miracles album?
0: Was it the Miracles? I can't even remember the album. The That's album, the second but, one uh no i didn't start playing i don't think until the third yeah my love right share my love project yeah right so the first and second was still the the uh, maru and uh, davide and then uh i came in around we started producing and writing and playing on the share my love album
1: did you play the past his? did you go out and represent change on the stage or just go into the studio
0: Oh no! We was always in change. Yeah, yeah I was always in. We, we was I was in change until he, you know, just you know died out. You know, so yeah, we was the last members. We me told
1: me, Rick. But I mean, uh, when you came in originally, did uh-huh. you just go into a studio situation for a new album, or uh, did you also no go out and play like the those other hits, like you you admired? You, you Want to hear
0: that story too? Of course, hear that story. Okay, I was in the group right when they got. Uh, um, uh Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis to produce. Fred Petros gave them guys like a bag of tapes. I mean, maybe a tape of 30 different tapes to pick songs and go through. They said, they told me this personally, they went through every tape and I had mines in there and they picked that one tape and didn't know it was me. But they showed it to Fred and listened to him and said, this tape said Timmy Allen. So you're not paying attention. Who's in your group? He told at to Fred, you got it. You got a songwriter producer right there. And that's how I really started producing the writing from Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, telling Fred that. yeah, wow. that, that, that was an exciting moment, too, for me. Wow.
1: What, what was it like? Did you meet Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis? I'm assuming yeah. you did. Yeah. yeah. What was it like when yeah. you first met them? What was your impression?
0: Well, well, just hearing their music in the beginning and the things that they've been done before change. Oh, I was, I was in awe with these guys from the time, since the time, so they did SOS Band. And a few other things i was like "Ooh!" and then when i heard that it would produce some change oh man I, I was excited i was, was ecstatic right tim man i didn't believe we was going to be playing with the <laughs> and uh we we did the uh, recording in uh in italy that was our recording in italy we recorded in italy and then we took it from italy back to min- uh, minneapolis in their studios me and rick and deborah cooper
1: Yeah, that first, the very first Change album had some straight-ahead disco on it, besides the hits. And um, moving forward, though, it pretty much became more just R&B dance, and and not the disco yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Toby and Rick, uh, tell us some more about you know when you guys came into the into the fold, you know, and what it was like when you first came in and worked with Change.
2: You go ahead first, Toby. Okay. Well, I. Uh, uh... Timmy called me and said, man, bring your butt up to New York. I, said, I, don't, know you, I don't know why you're sitting in Philly, Philly languishing. You should bring your butt up. There's plenty of opportunity here in New York. He, like, before he could hang up the phone, I was at his door. <laughs> 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 he didn't get a chance to hang up Because I got it. I understood. I seen. I, seen, and I was watching him from afar, watching his accomplishments. So I said, OK. I mean, I was pretty good at what I did. And I, I pretty much, I loved death, so but I've, I had kind of outgrown, you know, the, the music scene. And I said, again, and I just went to go to the next level. I wanted to see if I could do better. And that's what I did. So I went, I came in, and I heard the group. The group was outstanding. Fell in love with it right there. Say, so I'm in. You, you did not have to say no more. I was in. I, you know, I love them. They love me. And, and it's all worked out. Everything, you know, the touring and all that. We did dates and, you know, uh, people loved the group. I was really taken. I said, wow. I, I didn't know people knew these songs all over the world. I knew, I knew them, but I didn't know people all over the world would know these songs. And, when we would play, I would see people, uh, you know, singing a song, singing the lyrics and all that. And I remember times that we were playing, uh, we'd be out with Cameo, with James. We had them on the They, they were on the side. Look, I mean, we were tight. We oh, were yeah. tight, crazy tight. We looked to the side, Cameo, Larry Blackman, and I could see it right here. They'll tell you, too. As they were standing to the wayside. Cameo, the whispers, you know, so they were taking, you know, and they were great too. I'm not just taking anything from them, but they knew that they had a serious contender on stage. We weren't, we weren't just fly by night, we weren't just yeah. a fly by night band. This band is real, pocket tight, yeah, everything harmonies, choreography, everything. It was great. It was a great experience. i like, I said, I'm glad to, to be a part of it and to have been a part of it.
1: Toby, Scott, about, how, about how many members were uh, on stage for those shows? Ooh. For change. We ran what 10?
0: Yeah. 10,
1: yeah, uh, 10. 10, yeah, 10 of us. <laughs> wow. A lot of
2: people, right? There was yeah. there was uh Deborah Cooper. There was uh Lisa Fisher. You know where we now, Lisa Fisher, she was part of it. I mean there, there have been many that come through, but and there have been many that come through the camp. I mean, so many I, I can barely remember Jocelyn uh Smith, Jocelyn Brown. <laughs> there were a lot of people that came through to the change uh organization. A lot of stars came through. And I'm, I'm leaving out
0: some, you know. Well, you know, some, were, some of them recorded the album. Then we had some people that did the live version. So some right. of the people that recorded didn't sing live with, with, with us. But uh, yeah. Lisa Fisher is the only one that really broke off from the group that became a really star out of all the girls. We changed girls every now and then, maybe just a couple of them. But Deborah Cooper was the main singer. Carol yeah. Sellman and Mary Seymour were the main girls, but the third girl is the one we would change here and there. You know, but as uh, far as the other the musicians, uh, uh, we all stayed together pretty much the whole time.
1: Yeah. Yes. That and, and, and Deborah went on to sing with c c Music Factory. Yes. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was interesting, too, that, you know, you guys are talking about, You guys really gave change like an identity, though, because that third record was the first one that actually had a picture of group members. All the the other ones are more anonymous, you know?
3: Right. Right.
1: So, Rick, what was your getting in the fold experience?
3: (laughs) Oh, I was a little nervous. You know what I'm saying? I came up to New York. Freddie heard me sing about five minutes. He rushed me to the studio. I sang Imagination for BB&Q Band. And then the next thing I knew, they was like, yo, you're going to be in change. I was like, what? Like, I remember telling Tim, like, yo, I don't know, Tim. I don't know. Tim's like, what you mean? You don't know. Like, oh, don't get nervous now, boys. You're time to step up. You
2: did. So then the right. next
3: thing I know, we were in the studio after Imagination came out. It was the first single off of the All Night Long album. And they was like, yo, yo, Kevin Robinson got that slot. Rick, you got to be in change. So I think Crab Robinson wanted to go solo. And um, we did This Is Your Time album. And I remember I sing a lot of tracks on This Is Your Time album. And Freddie was scared of my vocals. He was like, Rick, he, pulled, he called me into his studio and he said, Rick, your voice is different from Luther Vandross or James Crabb Robinson. I'm going to have to go get James Crabb Robinson and bring him back to sing on This Is Your Time album. He said, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep two of these tracks that you sing on. I'm going to keep to Get Up that you sing on. I'm going to keep, keep Staying Fit that Timmy wrote. So he kept those two on This Is Your Time album and he brought Crab back. I didn't have no problem with Crab coming back. I knew he wanted to leave change at the time to go solo, but he came and he did This Is Your Time album. But when we got with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis for the Change Your Heart album, then they let me sing and then they realized, like, that boy is fine. Like, but Jimmy Jam was like, yo, this Rick Brennan is fine. Like, let that boy sing because yeah. I was like on my Steve Harrington, Like, I could change my voice. I could do anything I wanted to, right? Jimmy Jam was like, this boy is crazy. Like, this is going to be good. So when me and Timmy and Toby, we heard that Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis going to produce that Change Your Heart album, it was time for me to redeem myself from that This Is The Time album. And boy, Change Your Heart is fire. You can put it on right now to be bopping to every song consistent just enjoy. Jimmy Jam and Terry goes, yeah.
0: <laughs> He's
3: so my boys, I love Jam and Terry, but you know, they know that. They know that. I told them about the disco house. Y'all going to be superstars. And they looked at me like, yo, man, why you saying that? Man, I'm psychic at something, but I'm telling you, y'all going to blow up. <laughs> and when they did, it didn't surprise me at all. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Because me and Timmy was watching them in Italy when they would lay them tracks. And we was like, boy, they funky. Because me and Tim and Toby, we come from the funk. We come yeah. from all them funk bands out of North Philly. Like, we about that funk. So when we heard what Jimmy Jam and Terry was doing with them tracks, Change a Hard Track, me and Timmy was looking at each other like, yo, like, yeah. Where's this going? Like,
0: oh, yeah. this is a
3: smash. You did So by the yeah. time we got the You and My Melody and Jimmy Jam, he worked me for 12 hours to do them vocals on You and My Melody. But at the end, he was like, Rick, come in here and listen to this. And I mean, you could put that record on for yourself and listen. Like Rick Brennan, get it in. That's all I got to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How cool was
2: that?
1: Very cool. So all you guys, you know, you really specialize in rhythm, you know, with percussion, drums, bass. Um, what would you say, <clears throat> I'm going to ask Rick, what, what can you say to the people about uh, how Timmy approaches bass and how Toby approaches drums?
3: Well, let me say this. Look, when Tim played Mutual Attraction, the bass line, listen to the bass line on your mind. Like, Tim is an amazing bass player. Like, I, I, look, I, always, I used to be flabbergasted over what he could do. I would just watch him come up with bass lines and stuff. And I used to be a bass player. I never told him that. But I would watch him. And I was like, yo, like, so to this day, if you look up Mutual Attraction, You and My Melody, just the way he played bass, he's amazing. I mean, I don't want to toot his horn like that. I know I'm doing that. But the boy can <laughs> play bass. You <laughs> dig what I'm saying? He can play the bass. And we knew, coming from North Philly, we knew we had that funk thing going on. Like, if it was up to us, we would have been funky and that would change. But Freddie was like, yo, y'all getting a little too funky with this. Like, you know, what's up? But I'm just saying, like, Timmy is an amazing bass player. And Toby and I was in Chill Factor together. And, you know, for years. So, you know, I know Toby was that born on drums. You know what I'm saying? So for us to do what we did together, like when we did that Change of Heart tour, it was it was lit. When we did the Hammersmith. It was lit, like matter of fact, we did the Hammersmith and the culture club was sitting in the audience. Yes, sir. Or George Allen was sitting in the audience yes, watching sir. change. It's like in the third row. So I remember, I think we we took, we took a break, we did another show, and I went in the back room, the dressing room. I was like, yo, the culture club is sitting watching change. And I mean that's mm-hmm. when they was big, the culture club.
2: Yeah. And
3: I and yeah. I was like, so when the guys went on the stage to do the second show, there's like, yo, the bass player, everybody sitting up there watching. Yo, it was popping in London. You know what I'm saying? Big love to the UK. Yeah, they so. always supported change. You know, I love it.
1: The yeah, they do. That's right. <laughs> but, what, was it the first time going overseas for all of you to be part of change? No, no. Well, no. I went overseas in 83 when we did This Is Your Time Out,
3: right? And I know Tim had probably been there before. Yeah, we recorded so, there as well. You know, I've been there
0: quite a bit. Yeah, I've been there quite yeah, a few times. so time. we was
3: back and forth in Italy a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You no, know, like we go to mama disco's house that was like our home base that's right yeah she had a mansion and she had a, a recording studio in the, in the living room or something like that that's what jam oh. and terry was doing the oh, tracks we had a ball game tim you know they the owners of the nut nut nelly oh uh, yeah because i used to eat it all the time tim yeah scott I used to sneak in the kitchen and steal bottles of, of chocolate and eat it with the cookies yeah they the owners of that <laughs>
0: were the wow. owners of that. I was amazed to see that. We, we rehearsed right in his living room, like they said. That's right. Big old studio. And, right and I, I was the in the corner the
3: with room. the chocolate and the cookies. They yeah. said, Where Rick at in the corner with the chocolate and the cookies? And <laughs> <laughs> we had a ball, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Mama wow. Disco. I'll never forget it.
1: So, Tim, what can you say about uh, Toby on drums and, and Rick on percussion and vocals?
0: Oh, uh, you know, Rick ain't saying it. Or Toby was the baddest drummer back then. For real, Toby always been the one. Listen to <laughs> I mean, that. I played with him already, so I knew once you know the, the drummer left and changed, who to get. I was gonna get the baddest drummer in Philly, you know. Right. And then, like he said, when I, I heard about Rick, I was like, oh, we need him, man. He plays percussion too. But actually, sure. Rick came to play with a group before he got in change called Flick that, uh, 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 we uh, that uh, we put together in New York City and we used to, you know, play around in, you know, the local system, uh, scene in, in New York. And, oh, and then we yeah, got show Rick because mm. Rick could imitate Steve Arrington and Slave and all these different people. So he was an asset to the group. And then from there on, he, all you know, he got into in change at that time as well. But yeah, they, these guys were some bad boys, and they, you know, just like they are to this day. Still bad boys.
1: And Toby, you got a word to say about uh, your boys here?
0: Yeah, well,
2: I, I listen, I have to piggyback off of uh, uh, what was said. Uh, like what I said, me and Rick had played together. Outstanding vocalists, outstanding percussionists. You know, enjoy working with them. So that was just, that was no problem. Came in, I had known Timmy since the bass was bigger than him. You know, he said, listen, you'll he, probably get angry at me, when he used to push his bass amp up the street that was about two Or three feet taller than him, <laughs> you see, those little ladies with hands pushing. Remember that, Tim? I never forgot. I'm that. I was serious about my music, concert. man. I was serious about my music. Braining, I don't care what it was right. going. You would see Timmy pushing that hand, but you forgot about it. I never forgot that, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, playing with him was uh, was instant. You know, I didn't have a problem. I knew what he wanted, I knew what he liked. You know, it made sense oh. to me. Matter of fact, he made it make sense because a bunch of casts that I was playing with in Philadelphia were great players, but they were all like, uh Stanley Clark clones—they were all over the place and yeah, playing
0: everything.
2: You know, but I had grown uh, to a point where I, where I wanted to make music and make music sound good. I would, you know, I would. Uh, story, interesting story. I was in a band called Chill Factor, and the band was outstanding, great players and stuff like that. But I'm, I went to see Dexter Wine cell I'm saying now, when we get together and we rehearse, everybody's playing everything, but it just didn't sound right. And I'm sitting back looking at them and saying, these guys. They aren't playing anything, it's playing parts, and it sounds so amazing. You know, I begin to learn, I begin to understand at that point. I, I understand right. what I'm doing wrong. I'm trying to solo through everything to make it sound good. You know what I'm saying? And after after watching the next one, i step back and say, okay, that's secret. Less is more. Just play the parts. If everybody just played their parts. Yeah. A lot. When I got when I finally got the message, it helped me when I got to New York. Well, I ain't gonna lie. Let me let me stop lying because I remember I went to New York. I was still a chop head, a fusion head. I had like a. <laughs> and, uh, what's the song? What's, the, what's that song? So what's that? Huh? Is it Holiday? Yeah. So they started the song right, and we're sitting there. We got uh, the Stone City Band. They were at our rehearsal, watching us rehearse because we're going out on tour together. So I guess I was going to show off. Scott, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. I took a stone Let me show off. Uh-huh. I had 15 drums. I tried to hit every drum I had. With the song. <laughs> <laughs> And Timmy said, "Yo, hold up, Love you man listen to the record. We don't need none of that." <laughs> everybody, everybody, everybody looked at me like I was crazy. Well, I had to grow. I mean, I was a growing band. I had to. I was, Oh, listen. All I was trying to do is show off. Let everybody know I'm a bad drummer. Yo, 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 man, hold Everybody stop. And I was going to, listen, Scott, this is a true story. I said, dang, I must have pressed everybody because everybody stopped and they're looking at me. saying, man, I know they love me. (laughs) (laughs) And Timmy said, yo, they told, love you, man, but listen. Yeah, that record that's <laughs> kind of all that's needed. If you, if you could, you know, <laughs> I said, Wow, I thought I was impressing y'all. See, I love you learn. See, I know now, I didn't know them, but I, I can look oh, at it now and laugh because it was a learning experience. If that makes sense, yeah, it but uh, cool. guys, it's, it's easy, man. I, I, it's fun. I, I'm looking forward to doing it again.
1: Yeah, yeah you got to learn less is more sometimes, yeah, you know, that's especially that's when it comes good. to groove, you know,
2: that's right, that's right. Um, I had a drums, Scott. If I didn't touch the drum, something was wrong. I had 15 drums. Remember, remember them? I had to, he had it, a tamer it, set it, and it, he had 15 town Something
3: was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he had the largest tamer set in Philly. It took yeah. six people to lift his amble case. You remember that? Wow. When we were at Barbara's Hall, it took six people just to lift the amble case into the truck when he was a chill factor. So Toby was it's always off the chain. Those
2: things helped mold and shape me to, make, to help me to understand how to have a successful career. Because if you if you want to work and you want to be successful at this, all that's out the window. Right. You know you, you can't do. You know listen to the record. That's what made it successful. All that stuff you're doing had nothing to do with anything. And it helped me. I, I felt like I said I was just trying to impress it, but it made sense. To me because when I when I took it in and and and, and set with it, when I would listen back to the re, the tapes and stuff of the rehearsals, we would sound just like the record. We would sound great. I understood it then. I said, "Okay, I got it. I got it." All the other stuff you're doing, you leave that, you leave that back and fill it. Beautiful
0: right. thing. Yeah, I was just the opposite. Side. I, I was the pocket person.
2: That's
3: right.
0: I was right. the pocket base. player. I just held That's down nice. that baby. You know, I, <laughs> I, I had to get into, you know, play with me, man." You know, like you said, less <laughs> is, is, is more. That's It right.
1: had, had to reel it just, in, just, in a little God. bit, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Just trying to show off, man. Trying to show because like <laughs> I had, had crazy
2: chops like that, and I just wanted to show off. And I thought I did that, but I, I was wondering what everybody stopped? The music stopped. And everybody trying to look at me like, I said, oh, man, I did it. I know I'm okay. <laughs> I had no idea. Well, you I mentioned, had no idea, man. But like I said, it helped the shape uh, me to what I, where I play it. Never forgot it.
1: Well, you mentioned Dennis Chambers before. To me, he's a guy, you know, that is all that. He's got the yeah. pocket and he's got yeah. all the flash, oh, you thanks. know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And those some of the influences. That's why I thought I had to touch every drum because after seeing him, I said, Well, he we can do that. But he did it in the proper context. The song we were doing didn't call for that. I just wanted to show off in front of them and show them just how great I was. And the Stone City Band is, Man, yeah, this drum is bad. bad. My told. Yo, it's OK, dude. Just yeah. <laughs> I never forgot that. I tell people that story. I'm going to tell it to the day after that because it's funny. I thought I was doing yeah, something. Funny. It's funny. I did.
1: There's much more to this great Truth and Rhythm interview. Just continue on to the next part of the episode. Also, be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. And become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkenslift.net. Thank you very much.